today's scripture reading is from Isaiah chapter 11, and we're going to begin with the first verse. A shoot will grow up from the stump of Jesse. A branch will sprout from his roots. The Lord's spirit will rest upon him, a spirit of wisdom and understanding, a spirit of planning and strength, a spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. He will delight in fearing the Lord. He won't judge by appearances nor decide by hearsay. He will judge the needy with righteousness and decide with equity for those who suffer in the land. He will strike the violent with the rod of his mouth. By the breath of his lips, he will kill the wicked. Righteousness will be the belt around his hips and faithfulness the belt around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb and the leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the young lion will feed together and a little child will lead them. The cow and the bear will graze, their young will lie down together and a lion will eat straw like an ox. A nursing child will play over the snake hole. Toddlers will reach right over the serpent's den. They won't harm or destroy anywhere on my holy mountain. The earth will surely be filled with the knowledge of the Lord, just as the water covers the sea. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So my friend's grandmother has a boyfriend, which is all right. Because she's 90 and he's 92 years old, and God bless them. If they want to be boyfriend and girlfriend, then let's go for it, right? Except for her family has reacted in some different kind of strange ways to this boyfriend situation. Um, he, her grandfather has been, has been gone for like, I don't know, 12, 13 years. And his wife died last year. And they were high school friends, the four of them. And so this is more of a high school friend situation. But they, keep, they insist on calling him the boyfriend. Now, some in the family have, re have reacted with joy. Because God bless him at 90 years old. If you want to have a boyfriend, then go for it. Or do whatever you want. You're 90, right? Some of the family have reacted in not so positive ways, as you can imagine. Some of them are very upset about the whole situation. What does he want with her, right? He has to want something, not just to be her friend. Or some of them uh, won't talk about it at all. It's the secret. They don't talk about it, and they get all flushed in the face when they hear, and they just walk away, right? I've seen this happen. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. And they put their hands over their ears and sort of do that na 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 na, -na thing, right? And it's interesting because their reactions aren't defined by their relationship, right? It's not about the boyfriend. Their reactions are defined by their vision of who their grandmother is supposed to be. It's who their grandmother is supposed to be. Their grandmother is supposed to be their grandmother. And we know grandmothers are supposed to do certain things, right? Like sit on the porch and knit, right? That's what grandmothers do. Or... Um, I don't know, put puzzles together maybe? I'm not sure. My grandmother doesn't do any of those things, so. Um, <laughs> but you know, we have an image what a grandmother is supposed to be, and having a boyfriend is not one of them. Or we just think about, as people get older, they're not supposed to want to be in romantic relationships, right? That's a young person's game. And so they age out of it. Or it's because they're a great-grandmother and they can't really understand what that means. 
Well, they do. And so their reactions to this relationship is about who their grandmother is supposed to be in their head. It's not about the grandmother or the boyfriend or whether they're good for each other or whether they enjoy each other's company or if they're okay with maybe somebody else's hypothetical grandmother, right? <laughs> this is not my grandmother. It's just because they're uncomfortable with the way that she's chosen to live her years, the time, the way she's chosen to spend her time. They would rather things went back to the way that it was. They would rather things went back to the way it was because it was more comfortable for them. They could understand that grandmother, the one who was always there at the table when they needed her, the one who baked warm apple pie, or in my case, peanut butter fudge. They were more comfortable with that image of grandmother than the one who's too busy going on dates to say for them to stop by. And the truth is, when people act, when people act outside of the box that we've constructed for them, it makes us uncomfortable. It's not about the box, and it's not even about the person, usually. It's about the way that they don't behave in the way that we expect somebody like them to behave. And we have lots of boxes we use for people. We put, we put them in boxes by category. Like, do you remember when you were a kid and you saw your elementary school teacher at the store? And how weird that was? Because your teacher's not supposed to exist outside of school, right? They're not supposed to have families and friends and need groceries. They're, they're at school. They feed people at school. They just go to the cafeteria, right? <laughs> Or we have lots of categories like that. You're supposed to behave this way because you are a person of this category. Or we do it by age, right? Young people are supposed to act a certain way and they're supposed to have certain things to say and then they grow up and they act differently because now they're older. Or now you've gotten to be a certain age so you're not allowed to do certain things anymore. You can't go to a concert late at night. You're 60 years old. What are you doing? Right? Who are you to be going to Backstreet Boys concert in your 30s? Me, yeah. <laughs> right? Or we define people by the past, the way they have acted before. We know that person. We're comfortable with that person, the way they behaved before. And if they try to change something about themselves, even if it's for the better, it makes us uncomfortable. Research has shown that when people try to lose weight, the number one reason that they gain it back is because their friends sabotage them. Their friends are uncomfortable with this new person. And so their friends will start inviting them. It's not conscious. Their friends will start inviting them out to dinner, right? And they'll say, oh, you can have a little bit more, right? I'll just have a little bit more, or have some of mine. And the person gains all their weight back. And it's not because they haven't wanted to change. It's because their friends can't handle how this new person relates in their circle. And we use this as a way to diminish people. We use this as a way to control people, to put them in their place, to diminish their power in our lives, the amount of control that they have over us. Because if we can understand them, if we can categorize them, if we can put them in their place, then they're safe and we're comfortable. And so we don't want people to change or to act outside of our comfort zones. 
But we have a little problem with that because we have this prophecy from Isaiah. And it's nothing but people acting ways that they shouldn't act. The lion will eat straw. Well, lions don't eat straw. That would be ridiculous, right? Or the child will put their hand in a snake hole. Now that they would do. But the snake won't bite them. Well, that's not how snakes behave. We know that. Snakes will bite you if you put your hand in the hole, right? Or the lion will lie down with the lamb. The cows and the bears will feed together. None of these people are acting the way that we expect them to act. And my guess is if the kingdom came today and peace reigned over the land, we wouldn't like it. We'd be really uncomfortable. Because we couldn't process this new reality. What does this look like? I know the rules of the old reality. I know how snakes and bears and cows act in this old reality. But we've got this new peace thing happening. And I don't understand it. It's out of my control. Isaiah's prophecy is all about this new creation. In chapter 10, he deconstructs the old vision. He says, this is how you understood God's covenant with people before. This is how you understood God's covenant with Israel before. This is the type of leader you had before. You know, the strong man, the kind who would strike people down with sword and would lay waste to lands and would submit and subdue people. That's the old leader. Isaiah 11 says, this is the new leader. The new leader is going to be like a child who brings peace. This leader turns to God, and even the creation is awakened. It reminds the creation of a memory of how God intended the world to be in the first place. And the people don't like it. They reject this vision of peace. It's hard to imagine something coming up from the dead. It's hard to imagine a shoot coming up from a rotten stump. And so the people, instead of taking this prophecy, take things into their own hands. And if you follow their story in Isaiah, they end up in Babylon. They don't like that much either. This leader, this leader who brings hope, who brings peace, does it in a way that is unexpected. Does it in a way that the people don't understand And it reminds them that God's hope, God's ability to bring peace, God's ability to change the world doesn't rely on our ability to understand it or to even see it. God's not waiting for us to say, you know, God, that's okay. You can change the world in this way. That's fine. I can handle that. God doesn't care. God's changing the world. God changes the world every day through little things and big things. God changes the world to bring peace and hope. And we're not going to understand it all the time. And we're not going to see it all the time. And sometimes seeing that hope and that peace is going to make us uncomfortable. And sometimes we're just going to have to pray and let the Holy Spirit do the work. Hope isn't found in our ability to facilitate it. Hope is found in the places where we aren't looking often. It's found in the dead tree stump. It's found in the serpent hole. It's found in the person who can overcome whatever it is that has been holding them back. It's found in the relationships that are mended. It's found when we take time out of our busy schedule. When we change our habits. 
And when we say, you know what, it's okay if my work doesn't get done today, I need, I need to go to the pool, and sit in the water. God's hope is found in the places that we don't expect. And peace doesn't look like what we expect it to look like at times. But it's better. It's better than what we can envision. And so we're just going to have to pray our way through it. We're going to have to know that people are going to act different and animals are going to act different and the world's going to look different. But if it's from God, then it's going to be better. And for that, we can give thanks. That is our hope. Amen.